Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today on Sense of Soul, I have my good friend, Katori Vikasari. She is a wellness advocate mentor and is passionate about helping her clients create their healing plans through education and empowerment. Katori is a mom, a partner, a dog mom, a Reiki practitioner, a fierce personal growth junkie, and the co-creator of the healing studio, Parker. She is the core envisioner and creator of Camp Katori, and she's an educational travel blogger. She has dedicated herself to her wellness practice and her extensive training, which includes degrees in ethnic studies, specializing in indigenous practice, history and communication, with continued education and training in mindfulness, psychology, and collective trauma healing. Katori works with plant medicine and is eager to share her knowledge and experiences with you and help you find the healing and spiritual harmony that you deserve. She's a dear friend of mine, and I can't wait to give her the space to share her journey with all of you. So please welcome Katori. Thank you so much, Katori, for being with me. I'm super excited. You know, I'm looking forward to 2024. And you and I had talked about, you know, how we're making new traditions in our lives Mm. with our new eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about that, I think about you because you and I have talked so much about how some of the traditional holidays and stuff are no longer really serving um, a person who is aware of their true meaning and how it's really important to make your own traditions now and your own beliefs, you know, um, kind of off of what you experienced to be your truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And starting with that, your name wasn't always Katori. So how about we just start off, you know, and you can tell us a little bit about your story and, and a little bit about your background. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. My name was not always Katori. Up until last year, I was referred to, my my given name was Jennifer Lee Fuentes. Uh, I had a legal name change in 2023. So going into 2024 will be, you know, new for me with my new name, but a little bit of my background. So I was born in Texas, Latino family, Latino background, raised in a very extreme religious organization, very fear-based doomsday organization. So you see a lot of depression, anxiety in the organization. So there there was a lot of trauma happening around there for my parents as well, whether they realize it or not. My mom suffered from depression. And looking back now, based on what I know, I believe that to be situational. You know, when you are in a fear-based organization, things like depression and anxiety will be heightened. So that was part of my upbringing. Both of my parents were farm workers and their youth. And as they got older, they did well for themselves, kind of adhered to the American dream, worked hard, did well, their Christian faith. Another thing is that I wasn't taught Spanish. It was very much, you know, brought, brought up Latino, but in an assimilation kind of way. 
where you adopt Christianity and you adopt the dominant narrative of the country that we live in. So with that, I wasn't taught Spanish for assimilation purposes. There was a lot of pressure to fit in, especially when they were young and I think they were born like in the, in the fifties. And so th- there was a lot happening as far as, you know, Mexican farm workers and just trying to fit in and get by and do better for, you know, their children, which a lot of families in America are doing. So with that, there was already out of the gate, a disconnection for my heritage. And that's just my, my Mexican Spanish heritage, not to even mention my indigenous heritage, which uh, for those that know, don't know, so Latino is a mix of Spanish and indigenous. So mestizo, mixed blood. But in our country, more more people adopt the Hispanic narrative. They're like, oh, I'm Hispanic. I'm from Spain because we live in a very Eurocentric country. I yeah. never knew that. Yeah. Mestizo, mestizaje, whether people of Latino descent know that or not, mm-hmm. um, the majority of it is a word from Mexican descent. But what Mexican descent is, is the mixing of Spanish blood and indigenous blood. So if you go to Europe, you go to Spain, very light skin. Everybody's very light skin. But if you go to Mexico and there's, you know, darker yeah. skin, that's right. the indigenous side. So you can see me now I have beautiful toasted, you know, darker skin. So that's my indigenous side. And so when you look at a Latinos, as we know about genetics, it can pop up, you know, differently with everybody. One sibling could be a little bit darker. One could be very light, but yeah, that's what that is. So not only was I, I guess, kind of taken from my Latino language, language, that means that even the generations before that were taken from their indigenous side, their Native American side, which is intentional as we learn American history. So I felt a disconnect from my ancestors, my family. You know, just doing some of my own, you know, research, you know, Mexico, when they were taken over by Spain, they were brought Catholicism. So not only were you not given the opportunity to learn the language? You probably weren't taught any of the indigenous oh, beliefs. No. no. They were trying to suppress. Get rid of. Yeah. I mean, we can go as far as using the term genocide <laughs> when we yeah. talk about our indigenous Native American culture here. And I know your story as well, that when your ancestors came from Europe, they were forced to get baptized into the new Catholic Christian religion. So it was enforced. Travesty. Mm-hmm. So going back to my name change and my spiritual journey, got a lot of education, a lot of insights and learned about my indigenous heritage. And I had been considering a name change for years just because I never really identified with Jennifer, a, a beautiful name. Sure. And I'm very grateful <laughs> for it. And this life that my parents gave me, but I just never really identified with it. And, you know, when you think about it, I was born in 1980. It was the most popular, you know, name that year. So I had been thinking about it for a long time. And once I received this education, I also had some spiritual insights. The name Katori was, I think, kind of gifted to me and resonated. And I sat with it for a while before I went the legal route, but I finally did in 2023. So I went with Katori, my middle name V, V I, and my last name Kasari. I mean, if I'm going to change my name, I might as well change it all. So 
I went along with that. And there's meaning to each of those names as well. But Katori is indigenous for, it's Native American for spirit, which also just represents my spiritual journey that I've been gifted. Like there are extreme parts of all religions. Mm -hmm. Every religion has this like radical group, right? And it is extremely hard to get out. I'm helping someone with their ancestry and I just happen to fall into, you know, the different very extreme cults. But when you're born into something, and I think that my listeners know this about me, I talk about this a lot. There's like this religious trauma Mm. syndrome, Mm -hmm. you know, that I have been experiencing in letting go and, and really wrapping my head around the fact that a lot of the things that I believed in, like deeply believed in, even brought people in, you know, made my children, you know, have this religion before they were even born, before they even had a choice. I think in my case, it was, and like you said, it was a sect that is just a little bit more extreme than some of the other sects. But I, for me, it was a blessing and a curse because First of all, the curse, of course, was in this extreme religion. If you decide to leave, then you're ousted. You're you're done. You might as well be dead to, dead to these people. And that's including like family. So everybody that I grew up with were no longer in contact because I'm the bad seed. I'm the one that maybe could, I don't know, potentially put ideas in people's head. <laughs> Not that I'd be the one putting the ideas, but yeah. just you know, using the freedom of thought and our critical thinking and being like, hey, this doesn't feel right. Maybe this isn't right. You know, asking those questions. And so because of that, I didn't have a middle ground. Okay, well, I can adopt this. Some people did. And luckily in my family, and and again, like I said, blessing curse, it's not luckily, I guess, because I don't necessarily have parents in my life. Like people do, they're alive, they're healthy, they're well, but they, in their heart and their faith cannot be in contact with me because of my beliefs or non-beliefs. I don't adopt what they do. How did Mm -hmm. you, how did you escape? (laughs) There might be a lot of people out there that you think that they can't and that the other side is very lonely and scary and they'll never be happy. Well, and that's the thing too, in our organization, we were trained that it is scary out there. That is, if you're not in the organization, you are not going to do well. You're going to get diseased. You're going to like, you know, just the fear is instilled in you that I had nightmares, Armageddon nightmares until my early twenties, but I got out. I was lucky enough to have extended family, you know, cousins, mostly women on my mom's side of the family that were always there for me even though growing up, we didn't associate with them much because again, they weren't part of the organization or the religion. So I had that support, but being in the part now of my journey, I genuinely feel like I have some ancestors (laughs) out there and it's indigenous ancestors that somehow gifted me with my conscious and my consciousness to be like, Hey, this doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. It's not right. I always say that, that I feel like my ancestors, like I almost imagine like their hand, like going through the lineages and just grabbing me and saying, you're going to be awake. You're going to do this for all of us. And I think it's true because I know you and I have talked a lot about epigenetics and 
you know, if we, we know that trauma can stay in a bloodline for 15 to 20 generations, Mm -hmm. so can everything else. So can the good things, you know, so Mm -hmm. can those gifts. And so I think that that's exactly what it was. Yeah. How did you break those patterns though on your own with, you know, solo? I didn't break all of them. <laughs> so, I mean, there was trauma. Still working. We're, we're a constant, we're, you know, journey. Yeah. So we're all a work in progress, but, um, you know, and that's what it is. It's a process. It might not even be done in this lifetime for me. I don't know, but I know that I'm in a much better place. I know that I've had support. I know that I've always been a big reader. Like before my journey became very spiritual, it was very psychological and very sociological. <laughs> it started with like, okay, I got to cure myself. Let me, let me get the details. Let me get the, the methods and the theories. And then very that, intelligent. <laughs> thank you. And that's what led to the, the spiritual part, you know, and as I feel like I've evolved on my journey and been able to let go more mm. and release more then I've been able to make room for more people that should be in my life. Yeah. And I feel really grateful that I'm at a point where, you know, we, we were we were raised in the Western world. We're like, okay, well, we have to do this. You got to go to A to B to C and you have to have a plan and you got to hustle and you got to grind and you got to heal. You got to be better. But not a lot of people just stop and let go and mm-hmm. say like, I give up. You know, I, I think a lot of people might be like, I'm going to surrender this to Jesus. You know, God take the wheel, whatever. Yeah. But however, however you put it, just making the space. Mm. And once I made that space, I was introduced like, boom, one one after the other. And we've talked about synchronicities. And when you just let go, then you're not thinking about the next step and what you have to do. You're just opening your eyes and being aware. And that's when people like you came into my life (laughs) or my partner came into my life or even my son, you know, came into my life Mm. and they all have served you know, everybody in my life right now serves a very special, meaningful, fulfilling and spiritual purpose. That's amazing. Because you know what? Some people spend their whole lives trying to live up to their parents' dreams. We did not come into this earth, right? (laughs) To live anybody else's dreams or live up to anybody's Mm -hmm. expectations. Yeah. It's a trap. Like you it's said, a trap. It's a trap. There's right. a sign uh, um, in my son's room. I I always had it. it's like don't grow up. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> Was there any like major shift for you that you know occurred? Because a lot of times people have like these aha moments or something really that just you know expanded their mind to the point where they were like, holy crap. Yeah. Like I have yeah. a purpose. Yeah. You know, I'm here for a reason. Yeah, I want to say that I've had a couple. One, the birth of my son. He is, I'm pretty sure we were together in past lives. <laughs> we're connected. That's my that's my heart. Obviously, anybody that's become a parent knows that once, you know, you have a child, it's just not about you anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. Shafali Sabari, my favorite parenting book is The Conscious Parent. And so essentially stating that, you know. There are spirit guides, not the other way around. Granted, we're here to guide them in this life, mm-hmm. but not control them, not tell them this is your religion, this is your faith, this is you, this is who you are, what you do, blah, blah, blah. But giving them those options. And in turn, we find our own liberation. And so that was a huge 
one for me. More recently in 2019, my partner and I were getting married. We had a wedding and I had a huge awakening during that process. It was a wedding in New Orleans and it was very traditional. Where was it at? Do you remember? It was in New Orleans. So it was at an airport. Oh, okay. It was, uh, I can't even remember. It was at an airport? Yeah. Well, of course we we're both in aviation. So that makes Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But it was, it was at the small private airport by the lake. I think it was Lakeside airport. Oh, Lakeside. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's, okay. it's a beautiful place, beautiful venue, great fun. But you know, we did the second line and did the things, but oh. it, it got a little too traditional when him and some friends decided to go to a strip club, <laughs> which I wasn't okay with, but not, not just that it was that, um, I never really romanticized about a wedding. Like, you know, as a girl, sometimes you're always like, oh, I'm going to get married. This is going to be my song. I think that was probably the extent for me. Um, mm-hmm. And as I, I believe I grew up and got more knowledgeable about marriage as an institution and not exactly liberating for women in its history, I just had a lot of triggers. First of all, my, my parents are not in my life, so they weren't there. And that was something, but I had a relative give me away. And I look back on it now and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Again, that was just traditional. That's what you do. Think about right? that. Like think Most people about do. It. Think about it. Think about it. What are you talking about? And I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I felt like a prized cow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was going to be traded for two goats and a chicken or something. You know, that's just, and I, it might've been something in my ancestral lineage that was just very like, whoa, you know, stop the brakes. And so that was a big wake up call. And not mm-hmm. just what was going on with my partner and I, because I was kind right. of disappointed and, you know, some of that behavior, but who am I? How did I get myself in this situation? You know, because this is my life, right? Like I right. made these decisions at some point I needed to put my foot down and say, I don't feel comfortable with this, mm-hmm. but I didn't. And so I had to deep dive into why I didn't. What is it about my maybe not enoughness that I needed to work on? And so there was a ceremony, but we never legally got married. <laughs> we never filed the paperwork. And in reality, I just wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't okay with the institution of marriage. And I still am not for what it represents mostly today. A partnership, absolutely. But yes, yeah, so that was a big one. And after that, I went deep diving into my process of like, okay, what's, what, how did I get to this point? And there's certain people in our lives that were in our lives that, you know, weren't really there for us. You know, it was, there's just, there was a lot of unhealthiness happening and that was just the big blow up for me, but which, which was great because like I said, I, I started deep diving into my spiritual journey, trimmed fat. There was a lot of people, we got off of social media immediately my partner and I and we are still not on social media (laughs) I'm dragging my feet I know I'm gonna have to get back on at some point but I think that was an essential part of it just not getting involved in the chaos and the nonsense and the mindless traditions the brainwashing yeah I mean and the thing is is that mindless traditions are so ignorant to many of the things you know that we're doing and I had this moment with Thanksgiving, you know, years ago. Mm. And it was that same feeling. It was mm-hmm. like, am I really going to pretend now that I'm aware of this? It just, it didn't feel right. 
you know, when we, I always talk about that discernment and I think that's kind of what you were experiencing, you know, getting married and thinking, wait a minute, like this doesn't feel right in my body, Mm -hmm. you know, but a lot of this is kept from us, you know, and we're, we're going through all these motions. I mean, my kids have even brought to my awareness and I love that part of social media that they can actually get out this information to the mass. But my kids have told me about story rhymes, you know, that we've sang our whole lives that are based on, you know, racist um, in Hindu. Here's the thing. Of course, if we turn our cheeks to history, because it's too painful to sure. see, it's not um, that energy just remains stagnant. Yes. Yeah, it just it's it doesn't go away. It's not healed. It's just there. And mm-hmm. not only that, it's in your subconscious mind. You mm-hmm. are actually playing it out every mm-hmm. day of your life unknowingly. Yep. Because of ignorance, you're accepting it. You're adhering to it. You're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. It, there's no there's no gray area. <laughs> there's no gray area. You're part of the yeah. problem, or you're going to speak up, which gets uncomfortable. It does. Right. So when you're faced with that discernment of how your body feels, if you choose to ignore it, I oh, mean, yeah. good luck. I mean, that shit turns into pain, ulcers, cancer, God knows what. Oh, but exactly. Pain. You're right. It does. It sits, it stays. That, Like you said, it turns and manifests into yeah. not pretty, pretty things in the body and in the world. Right. It is breaking those patterns that mm-hmm. shoot off that we have no idea that is actually living in us. And yeah. then when you actually become conscious to it, and then you actually make a change in your life. I mean, you don't have to change your name. <laughs> I know. Mine's a bit but extreme. Was Mine was pretty literal. Yeah, right. <laughs> but what other traditions or what other things in your life do you feel like it's important for you to bring your full consciousness to and decide to do different? So I know we talked about this one. This past Thanksgiving, we didn't celebrate quotations Thanksgiving we're pretty grateful every day. (laughs) And when you think about what, oh, oh no, I just like the holiday because we get to be with family and be grateful. Well, what the hell are you doing for the other 364 days out of the year? You know? Yeah. And and I get it. Like the extended family, you get to see them, but if you're not living a life of gratitude and you got to wait for one day and it's based on a false narrative, then I don't know what. Anyhow, so we've been transitioning away from that for a while. And this year we officially honored the National Day of Mourning, which is amongst indigenous peoples. And for that, we kind of like Day of the Dead, we got some some photos and candles and just honored the ancestors that we know, but mostly the ones that we don't, especially like, for example, myself and with my indigenous background that I have pretty much very little knowledge about. Challenge me. I'm serious. I will. I will. Please. I want to. But you have to understand when it comes to like indigenous history, it's only most of it's only going to go so far, you know, because it was very intentional erasing that. I've done this one girl's ancestry where none of them had last names. They all had like featherless or cloud, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, all had just their indigenous name. I think that says a lot as to it being non-matriarchal or patriarchal. You know how the, the term, it takes the village, the mm-hmm. same indigenous culture. Like there was aunties and uncles were were neighbors that, you know, it wasn't by name or lineage. It wasn't like Game of Thrones kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> you know, I did learn also that I think it was in Norway is where 
I learned this, but at one point they didn't have last names. And mm -hmm. so the rest of the world were like, all right, well, if we're going to work with you, like we have to be able to, to separate them. So we need last names. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll just say this is Thompson. This is Tom's son um, farm. And this is Johnson's farm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they put daughter at the end of it. <laughs> well, in but matriarchal societies, prior to patriarchal societies, pr prior to biblical history or whatever, mm -hmm. matriarchal societies, everything was held in the woman's name, the land, mm -hmm. everything. Even marriages weren't like for life. It was an understanding like here, we are going to create this child. We're going to intentionally make this family. And then there wasn't anything like, oh, well, now we're getting divorced and it's ugly. Like, oh, this yeah. ran its course and then it's natural. Thing is, in matriarchal societies, a lot of times they didn't know who the father was because yeah. of the freedom of autonomy oh. of your body, especially in women, which doesn't happen in patriarchal societies. But the point is, is that when we went to patriarchal societies, then they wanted to know whose son that was. And so that's when they started taking the man's name instead of the woman's. And in many Hispanic, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm saying the right word. Is it Hispanic? Am I saying that? Or is that Latina? Yeah. I think it's most cultures. Many of them. Costa Rica. They all have two names and they always take the mother's maiden name and then the father's. So there, the difference is, um, so th another thing is there's, a, there's a lot of ways, as we know, how people identify now days. I identify as Xicana, which oh. is Xicana as female, uh, um, but X is representative of my indigenous roots. Okay. That were, like um, that. yeah, I do. And then Hispanic is a term that I'm not comfortable with. Because, okay. Why? So, because, and then a lot of people don't know this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I just learned it recently too. And once I learned that I started to be, feel uncomfortable about it right? because as we know in the United States of America, that we are very Eurocentric, you know, we're very, mm -hmm. you know, French, British, Dutch, Spanish. And mm -hmm. so when you're identifying with Hispanic, mm -hmm. Hispanic Spain, you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to adhere to the Eurocentricity wow. and, instead of my indigenous roots or my mestizo, my half Spanish, half indigenous, you know, thank you and for that. Ethnicity is, you know, tricky in this country. Yes. And so I, I felt tricked. <laughs> so for sure it is. And I still have yet to find anybody who has a col colorful tree wheel of DNA like mine does. So I'm like feeling mm -hmm. like I'm connected to everything. You know, one thing that they categorized that at was just mulatto. And some people really take offense to that word and I get it, but literally that was one of the races. That was, that was a And it was, this was for like probably over a hundred years. So, mm -hmm. so um, it was a real thing. And, you know, at one point there were more of mixed race than there was not. Understand. So uh, during, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s, after the Treaty of Guadalupe, little history lesson, after the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo in the mid-1800s, there was starting to become a very negative connotation mm -hmm. of Mexican-Americans. And so, mm -hmm. like, oh, Mexican? Oh, that's that. it's a negative connotation. So by adopting the Hispanic, you're almost abandoning the Mexican by the assimilation purposes. 
So that was another reason. So there you go. Like (laughs) we don't know these things. And Mm -hmm. so we're going around connecting ourselves to countries Mm -hmm. that maybe we don't even really align with. Yeah. And Latino is pretty easy. Latino, Latina, Latinx includes, you know, everybody um, is basically you're of Latin descent, you know. You know, some of those little smaller countries that we hear of that, you know, United States is still very connected with like Puerto Rico and, um, you know, one I get one in my in my um, journey I discovered was St. Domingue, which is now, you know, Haiti. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time was owned by France. And actually there was a revolution and they won. Um, Isn't this? Oh, but but it's not common history, you know, no, isn't no. that? So it's really sad, though, if you look that up today, now, today, mm-hmm. do you know that Haiti pays France? Still today. Wow. This is a poor country that has suffered and children that are starving. There are so many children being punished for winning (laughs) all these years ago. Exactly. So, yeah, they're still paying France. This is why they're not thriving because they've been paying France off for all of these years. That's, you know, so when we think like, oh, enslavement, that was. So long ago, we're so past it. No, we're not. <laughs> you no, know, it wasn't that long ago at all. That's an enslavement. And when you're paying, that's an enslavement. And it shows in the society. And there's so many orphans because of all of the natural disasters, you know, that they've had. And they've never been able to catch up. I'm sure that there's a, you know, and I don't know, you know, the whole history of of Haiti, but I would be very interested to learn more as to why. My heart. Because it, it's not, I'm, I'm positive. It's not like, a, oh, they're in debt. They can just get out. Nope. It was I'm- over, it was over protection. Like, I mean, they could have went back and, and fought them again, you okay. know? Uh, it- the systems are in place to keep the poor, poor and the rich, rich. That's what we do know. And so it doesn't sit right with me. See, this is what I'm talking about. This discernment. We're talking about it, and I could feel it rising in me, right? And And it's a fire. It's a fire. And that fire, I can't ignore that fire. Mm -mm. Like I want to see change in the world. Yeah. Right. And I know that I can't make the world change. So the only person I can work on is me. And Mm -hmm. in doing that in me in my house. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing. And that's where you start, right? You have to start with you. And for me, it was education. So after that wedding debacle, (laughs) what a big, big party, a lot of fun had. But after that, I decided to go back to school. I went for psychology, but I took an ethnic studies class and I just fell in love with Mm -hmm. learning. So ethnic studies, for those that don't know, I consider it more of a marginalized American history. So we have our history, right? Our American history, dominant narrative history. And then we have our hyphenated, our Native Americans, our Asian Americans, our African Americans. That's still legitimately history that is politically kept out of mainstream, you know, basic public schools today. Girl. It's shocking, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, and it, but the thing is, it is and it's not because it explains a lot of how we live today and how the structures are at play. And what the so school you, systems are, are totally oh, yeah. structured around and why. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. We, I mean, we've talked about this at, at length. Yeah. But what was interesting for me and what helped on my journey, my spiritual journey is not only did I obviously learn about American history and uh, marginalized people's American history and also gender, of course, is what we study, but um, I got to learn about me. That's how I found out about me, but I had to pay thousands of dollars to learn my own history, which is part of my spiritual journey a huge part of my spiritual journey. Yeah. So that's also something that's kept from, from us. And then mm-hmm. we, we don't know who we are. We can't heal ourselves. We can't help ourselves, you know, to the highest extent. And, you know, it keeps us stuck. And what, what do we do when we're stuck? We're just going to be part of the same cycle that's set up for us by default. And yes. so that's when we don't ask the questions. So last night, Kinsley, she missed a few days of school because she's sick again. This child has been so sick. She was like, I have to catch up for the last two days on some homework. She's like, you want to you wanna help me? So she puts on her laptop, you know, from school and she connects it to what she has to do. And it's CNN, like 10 minute clips. So it's like their morning news that they listen to. Mm-hmm. I was at, I was like, you watched this? What was it? Exactly. I guess what everyone else is watching on the news. I mean, it's like <gasps> the, the last one I can remember specifically was like talking about Biden going to Ukraine. And um, then they were talking about like something with the um, environment. And then it went back to, you know, will Biden, be, you know, give Zelensky the money? And I'm like, you watch this every day at school? Like. I I don't watch the news because it's toxic. Well, Shanna, that's what's scary. And brainwashing. But that's me. Yeah, that's you have to be so careful of what you put in your brain. And we both know that. We know this. But especially for kids that are so susceptible to everything, you know. And then they have to write about it. So they really have to let it sink in because they have to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And so they have to write three different things about it. So they have to write something that they never heard before, mm-hmm. something that connects them with it, like mm-hmm. something that's in common with their life. What the heck? It's so scary to me that even, you know, people our age and older and younger, they will watch this day, all day, hours a day. I and it's like they, uh, many people consider it being informed. There is a line of knowing what's going on in the world and ingesting it to where it's there's no middle ground either you have one network that's going this way and the other one that way and there's no neutral ground and so you're only getting one perspective really on everything no matter which way you're going yeah and it is i mean just like the history that's been told it's selective Mm -hmm. and intentional yes Exactly. And that's one I think with you too, and part of the journey and being awakened is that you start to see that they're the same. They're not fear the same. mongering. They're too. the same. They're fear-based. They're fear-based and they divide us. Mm-hmm. And what is like one of the number one things of war? Divide and conquer. They're, it's actively dividing us. So we cannot consciously come together and make better decisions. <laughs> and, and they're this, and they're literally education. feeding this to children. Yeah. And it's part of the system. <laughs> That's part of it. And you and, but when you think about it, you and I were raised the same way. 
Totally. But mm-hmm. our parents were not aware. Now that I'm yeah, aware, it doesn't exactly. feel right in my body. I know. I, know. <laughs> I talked to Easton all the time. He came home. I can't remember what it was, but <laughs> it was something about this scientist saying that he firmly believes that there is no intelligent life outside of this planet in the universe and universes. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. I was like, sweetheart, it's not even up for debate anymore. <laughs> like it is right. so the textbooks common. haven't <laughs> caught up with the news. <laughs> so common knowledge. But anyhow, I can't remember what it was. We were talking about that and it led into something else. He's like, Mom, I get it. They they talk about Christopher Columbus, but but they don't say good things about him. I was like, okay, well, tell me what you've learned about Mount Blue Sky or have or Miami or Chief Seattle. And he was quiet. I was like, exactly. Just because they're saying he didn't do right, they're still talking about him. That means that everybody else, the other narratives are still outside. And you have to go search for those. Yeah. I mean, I do see some things that they're improving. I do. I have seen some things and I've been, that's good, you know, and there are more people in our generation that are teaching. And so they're awakening as well. And they have children that they probably are concerned about too. And these children are not conditioned like we were. They're asking questions. They're more curious. They're seeking and they are not, you know, just going to lay down and take it. They came into this world, I think, to change it. And at a beautiful time too. You know, we're popping into the age of consciousness. They're just, you know, a product of that. And and that's the thing I tell Easton. I was like, critical thinking. They're not going to teach you that. You question everything, including me, including your Mm -hmm. father, every doctor, every authority. You do your research and figure it out. But that is how we are conditioned here, you know, and that's why to become awakened and to use a voice, especially in a patriarchal world as a woman, it's, it makes you the oddball. It makes you unpopular. Agent Smith effect from the matrix. It's Mm -hmm. like when you, you know, everybody's there hanging out, talking about, I don't know, football or whatever. And then you come in like, Hey, but what about this important topic? Should we consider this? Oh no, we don't need to talk about that. They're like gatekeepers, you know, from change. And that's what I feel like the system is creating gatekeepers for change and consciousness and from an early Mm -hmm. age. Well, and I know this, and that was another blessing from being raised in this extremist organization, religion, is that we were intentionally taught to essentially not critically think. Like, here's the truth. It's considered the truth. You go outside of that, you're wrong. That's it. Right. You can only question so much and then call it faith. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. To not trust that intuition, that Mm -hmm. discernment inside of you. And so from an early age, because of that, I maybe being a rebel deep down, I was like, no, I'm going to question everything. (laughs) So that was the blessing. Who knows? Maybe you're you're an ancestor you know, reincarnated. Yeah, I've thought that. Who's like, oh hell no, I'm not mm-hmm. doing the married thing. I'm not mm-hmm. doing this. I'm not doing that. No, nope. I'm just gonna be free. I'm gonna go out there and and teach people and change my life, change my lineage for the future. Mm-hmm. Going into this next year, you have so many new things to embrace with the energy of your name. Yeah. Which that's what it is. I mean, it's yeah. the energy, you vibration. know, vibration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's so, you know, we it's time to do different. These old stories, these old narratives no longer serve us. Nope. We forget that we get to choose to adopt them. Mm-hmm. Like I was hanging out with East and luckily East and my son and I have a good relationship. So his friends will come over and we're talking about something, the school. And I was like, how exciting is it that when you guys are older, you get to choose your career, your faith, your religion, your partner, your car, your, and they're like, wait, what? We get to choose our religion. And I'm like, oh crap. Well, your parents might not want me to tell you that, but <laughs> yeah. When you're older, you choose all the things you're going to be primed and prepped for whatever, depending on the household, what they want you to do, but you get a choice and choose wisely. And I think that was a huge thing about changing my name. It's just, I changed my, my vibration, my life. I adhered to something that, that sat well with me. It was Mm -hmm. an act of self-determination. Like this is me and cultural survivance. Because especially for Latinos, most of us don't see the indigenous in us. And, and I did, and I do, and my ancestors gave that to me. And so for me, that was cultural surveillance and in a country that's trying to take, you know, indigeneity away, which is also very interesting because as we evolve in, in our healing practices, a lot of those are going towards indigenous healing. I know. We have acupuncture. You have people doing ayahuasca ceremonies because Western medicine isn't cutting it. You know, amazing meditation. That's an indigenous ritual, you know, yeah. and talk yeah. about reclaiming your own power. Yeah. I think I told you last year I went to Lima and then this year, like I said, we just got back from Japan and everywhere we go, I try to do research on the indigenous cultures. And so in wow. Lima, and in Japan, both of them are oppressed as they are here in the United States and endangered. And in some areas, as far as like the language and the culture and the traditions. And it's almost as if the powers that be are trying to eliminate that indigenous wisdom because they're paying power them. in it. Yeah, it doesn't. What? And it doesn't, it's not financially, you know, paying into their system. The system. Exactly. If anything, it's helping people, you know, Mm-mm-mm. but I thought, I just thought that was interesting because there is a power and a wisdom to all of that because it empowers the individual and connects with that spiritual source. And you don't need the in-between man. No, there's the sovereignty <laughs> where you find that wisdom that says, holy no. shit, I have a choice. Yeah. That's self-sovereignty, you know, to the body and the body's like, no, <laughs> This is not right. Mm-hmm. It's a global <laughs> issue too. But yeah. again, it's really inspiring and to get the education and see it, you know, like as you become awake and you see the bigger picture, like, oh my gosh, in all the little ways the power is trying to be taken from us when we had it all along and we still do. Every person does, you Just know, hidden from us. Mm-hmm. So tell me about, you know, I, I, I haven't been out to visit your land yet and your little your little place, but I I can't wait. Tell the listeners about this and, you know, why it's important to you and and what was your, really your desire, you know, that you were seeking with this place. So I had a dream of having a little tiny home for years now. Um, And for those that don't know, tiny home, I mean, it's seriously a tiny home. It's on a trailer 
Uh, it's 160 square feet. This, the one that we have, we just got built at sleep six. So it's, it, we did really well with this space, but it's on six acres of land in South Colorado, um, right outside of Fort Garland. And, um, by next summer, I want to be hosting wellness, uh, retreats, uh, that'll include Reiki and yoga and meditation spots, um, there's so much to do in the area. We have the great sand dunes, we have hiking falls, and this land was really sacred, uh, for the original Diné Navajo nation. And for, and it was also part of Ute nation. Unfortunately, Fort Garland was created to keep the indigenous peoples out of the areas with the help of Sally, the Buffalo soldiers, um, which is also another interesting American conundrum, but yeah, but the land itself, I was looking for years for land years and stumbled upon this by, I think synchronicity, it was just timing and everything lined up and it has sage all over and quartz and mountain views. And you can just escape. You can hear the vibration, like in the middle of the night on a full moon, even when it's not a full moon, you, if you're just silent, you can hear the, like the little crackling of the energy. I feel like it's just, it's really special and spiritual with me. And I feel really rejuvenated when I'm out there. And so, I'm sure you could have a lot of UFO hunting <laughs> going on there. On the so sky. for those that are interested, we also have a UFO watchtower, not far from there. That's a known vortex too. Yes, it is. It is a known vortex. We're in a dark sky zone. So you can, you know, see the Milky Way, everything. But there's a lot of anomaly activity out there, which is pretty juicy. I just had on Diana Pasuka. Mm -hmm. She's the author of American Cosmic, mm -hmm. the one that went to the Vatican that I'm always mm -hmm. talking about. And she wrote a new book called Encounters. Oh my God. Did you read so the new book? Okay. I did. I read it twice. And I've already interviewed her yesterday. And she changed my perspective on a lot of things that mm -hmm. book did. Because basically what she did is she interviewed um, many, many people, you know, in their encounters. And they all had a lot of spirituality going on around it. It wasn't just someone that went out and saw Mm -hmm. a UFO or had an experience with an extraterrestrial. Mm -hmm. There was knowings going on, synchronicity going yep. on. There was the spiritual aspect. Especially with the Vatican stuff you were telling me about. Because I went to the Vatican, what was it, like two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of symbolism floating around there. <laughs> I So I mentioned this to my daughter last night. I was like, she really makes this connect. I was telling her about my interview and I said, she really makes this connection for me that all paranormal may not just be, you know, spirits of humans. Mm -hmm. This paranormal could be extraterrestrial, mm -hmm. like very much so. Mm -hmm. the, the synchronicity that's leading you may not be from some spiritual God. It could be from some extraterrestrial. Mm -hmm. And my daughter was like, well, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And I was like, you do? Well, when you add the element of logic. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, I know. As soon as she said it, I totally was like, yeah, of course. But yeah. we're so conditioned to believe mm -hmm. one way. It's mm -hmm. so hard to shed that. 
It really is. And well, I know, so both of us, we've studied like ancient civilization, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. And I think it's so interesting because that's the next place my spiritual journey is taking me. It takes me, it took me to my indigeneity right. and like, learn about your indigeneity, uh, worldwide cultures in the the cliff dwellings and the hieroglyphs with these images that are pretty consistent around the ancient civilizations around the world lead to non-earthly beings. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's very clear. I mean, just look at their walls. I mean, they're obviously not from here. (laughs) They're hybrid people, you know, if you don't want to say half alien, they're, they definitely depicted that they were half animal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, just, just look at it, you know, just look at it, read it, do the research. Yeah. You know, why would we make it anything else? And then now, you know, reading some of those ancient texts, like the Sumerian texts, you know, Mm -hmm. during that time, I mean, it aligns with the Bible, which gives the Bible a little bit of credibility, but except for the fact how the story was told, but you know, some of those events, you know, I mean, even, um, in the Popa Vu, you know, is there Mm -hmm. the great flood? I mean, there's all of these texts that actually hold some history, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to the destruction of earth and its cycles. Yeah. It's exciting to me. (laughs) It is to me too. I totally geek out. But, you know, do you think that we're just evolving to the point to where once we do awaken and become conscious, we start to remember these things. I go along with the theory in our DNA, we can hold so much information as much as the universe can hold all within one body and DNA. There you go. So before lighting that up, we're tapping into that. We have all of the knowledge within us. Mm -hmm. We feel like what we have to do is break away that conditioning, that programming, and let the rest come forth. Right. And having to do with the subconscious and how people can see certain things. There was that um, experiment or study that they did where they would um, just have somebody go walk around the block, okay. asking questions like, what time was it? What did it say on this board? Blah, 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 blah. They couldn't answer. They just, you know, answered little things, but then they put them under hypnosis and they can give the most minute details of the things that they saw. So that tells you a lot about what we're conscious about and what our subconscious is capable of doing. Isn't that so interesting? That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Did you know that Jennifer Mitchell is so sweet? I love her dearly. She is gifting one of my listeners a free QHHT session with her. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I just think it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you go under into hypnosis, you know, mm-hmm. to visit your past lives. But one of the things I thought was so cool is you ask questions to your higher self and you yeah. pre-make these questions. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And all you have to do, you know, in order to have a chance to win this is you can either review on Apple podcast mm-hmm. or you can go to YouTube and like comment underneath her episode, mm-hmm. take a snapshot and then tag me sense of soul SOS on Instagram. And then I'm going to put you in a drawing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But a free session with her. I mean, priceless. I know that's been on my list too. Okay. Well put yourself in there. Yeah. Just reaching these areas are not easy. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, getting a little guided help mm-hmm. and Jennifer Mitchell holds a very great space for you. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely would recommend it. And she just has such great intentions behind it. Like she really just wants to see people raise their consciousness yeah. and find out who they are and why. And and it's for the collective. So yeah, when, definitely. you know, you taught me Reiki, I'm like, who needs it? <laughs> if I can help. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Tell everybody about your new little place that you got that you're going to start doing sessions I'm, locally. Yeah. So I have a place. I have a partner. Uh we both have a place uh, called the Healing Studio Parker here in Parker, Colorado. Small little studio. We do Reiki. Try to make it affordable for everybody. Reasonable. We have package deals. So that's something else we have in, in the works. We are moving studios and we'll have an open house on January 31st. So uh, for any practitioners, it's also a, a small space that, you know, the business is just kind of up and running, just helping who we can. But also if there's any massage therapists out there, other other Reiki practitioners that are interested in subletting the space for the day or a few hours, feel free to come in, introduce yourself. I'd love to chat with you and see if you would like to use the space as well. Oh, yes. I love it. Yeah. And what is the website? Of course. So you can go to the healingstudioparker.com. You can also go to uh, campcatori.com to get some more information about the retreat. We are renting out the tiny home, you know, to anybody that's interested as well as, like I said, next summer, we'll be hosting a couple of retreats to get that in order. Also, you can go to my personal website. That's katorivi.com. It's C-A-T-O-R-I-V-I.com. And there um, I'm going to be focusing a lot more on my educational travel blog, possibly podcasting a little bit next year. Once mm-hmm. I keep everything else I have going on in order. Um, but also just like Shanna's made a great community. If you happen to be on your spiritual journey, sometimes it can get lonely because you start being awakened yeah. and not everybody understands. Shanna, I know you and I have talked a lot about that, that, you know, sometimes we're talking about something and other people are like, what are you talking about? You've gone off the deep end. So if you just need somebody to reach out to also feel free to contact me on my website and we can set up a chat and know that you're not alone out there in your journey. I love you so much. I'm so blessed that you came into my life. I know it was synchronicity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. It was through my prayer guest, Dixie. Uh huh. Yeah. She's actually led me to many amazing souls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you've created such a community, honestly. Like, I don't know how I would be where I'm at without like all of your guests and modalities that you've introduced. It's just incredible. So we're all super grateful for you. I know I am. Ah, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Divinely put here at the same time to help each other along the journey. That's right. Yep. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. All right. Happy New Year too. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. And thanks to our special guests for joining me. If you want more of Sense of Soul, check out my website at www.mysenseofsoul.com where you can work with me one-on-one or help support Sense of Soul podcast by donating to my coffee fund. Thanks for listening.